Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Rain, rain, go away. They are calling for storms tonight. They are. I think it's going to be uneventful myself. That would be very nice for it to be uneventful. But I wonder if our microphone is picking up the rain outside. I don't know. Our daughter-in-law came home from work today, and evidently the uh, PR person at her work was really talking up this storm and to be ready to batten down the hatches. And I said, well, I think we've got it covered because baby Ann wasn't feeling well today, so she wanted to swing in gra swing instead of her swing. And you are gra For some reason, Grandmom has become gra and I kind of like it. We'll just see what happens. But anyway, we went out to swing, and I did put her in her swing for a few minutes, but it looked like she was just going to pass out and sleep again, even though she took a three-and-a-half-hour nap. Poor baby just doesn't feel good. So she pointed to the big porch swing and said, Gra-Gra swing. So she climbed up in my lap, and we just swang for about 45 minutes. And you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with the storms? But I was singing the whole time. I was singing little Christian songs to her, and I was singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. And we talked about him having the wind and the rain in his hands. So, yeah, God's got this too. I have her on video singing Rain, Rain, Go Away. Yeah, I do too. She uh, was looking out the window from her high chair one day it was raining, and she just started singing that. But I think she had already sang that before in the car with you. Yeah. Let's change gears and talk a little bit about our trip to Florida that we concluded last week. On the way home, we made it in one day, but we hit all kinds of traffic. We had traffic in Atlanta, traffic in Nashville, and then traffic between Nashville and Owensboro. So that added a good three hours to our journey. It was a long journey. But speaking of our Florida trip, that reminds me of a funny story. (laughs) A couple of funny stories. But the one I'm thinking of at the moment is you and I were walking down to the beach. And there were these two little boys. I'm guessing one was fourth or fifth grade. And one was probably eighth grade. I'm pretty familiar with middle school. I think he was eighth grade. And their dad was sitting there watching these two boys play shuffleboard. And the older boy had not done too well, but the younger boy had a puck on eight and on seven and on ten off. And what I thought happened was the eighth grader said, eight plus seven, twelve. And so as we got closer, the former math teacher and me couldn't help but say, eight plus seven's fifteen. And then we just kept walking And then I said, oh, you know you were thinking it too. And you said. I was thinking the correct answer to that math question, but I wasn't going to correct the dad for telling his two boys the wrong answer 
to 8 plus 7. So evidently, the older boy had said 8 plus 7, and I thought he answered his own question, but evidently the dad answered his question and said 12. So when I found out I had corrected the dad in front of his two sons, I kind of felt bad. But come on, man. 8 plus 7. But the math teacher came out of you. Yeah. That just reminds me of parent-teacher conferences when... A mom or a dad would come in and go, well, I understand if he'll struggle in your class because I wasn't good at math either. Like, that's not acceptable. Learn math. Be good at math. Just like, it's not acceptable to say, well, I just can't read. (laughs) Anyway, we probably have another (laughs) funny shuffleboard story now that I think of it. We do have another funny (laughs) shuffleboard story. So you and I decided we were going to play one day on this vacation and... (laughs) The shuffleboard pucks, if that's what they're called, they were a mixed bag of pucks of different weights. And so it was going to be challenging (laughs) to get any kind of rhythm on sliding them down the the path. But you didn't seem to be having any problem. I was really struggling. (laughs) So I decided, all right, I'm going to clear the board. (laughs) Because you had several pucks that were going to score points so i said fast lemma jamma <laughs> and i slid the puck down perfectly okay you didn't slide the puck down you like torpedoed the plastic puck down toward the heavy clay pucks okay if you say so i say so. but it was a direct hit it was a direct hit and, and what happened to yours it split in two <laughs> obviously it was cheap plastic were you able to get it back together? Like, did it was it something that just snapped apart, or did you break it? It just snapped apart. I put it back together and left it there. You may need a little super glue after that. Slamma jamma. What does fi slamma jamma mean anyway? I don't know. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like something I would have heard on the Nintendo sixty four game uh, Hang Time. Remember that basketball game? Yeah, I remember it saying slamma jamma something. Yeah. That was an awesome game. You and Jacob had a lot of male bonding time over that game. Pretty cool game. Bethany and I were not fans. So another funny story from Florida. After you and I were finishing a run together, it was time for me to walk, but you were continuing to run, and you just about stepped on something. I did. It was a snake, a big black snake. Well, a medium black snake. I don't want to, you know, tell a big fish story, but it would have been big enough that if I had stepped on it, it probably would have bitten me. I think it was dead. Oh, I didn't go back to look. But I don't know how it'd be dead. It was not in the street when we had passed that same area three times earlier. Well, unless you stepped on it, then uh, somebody ran over it. But between the time we were at that location and... When you almost stepped on it. Well, I wonder if somebody ran over it between the time I passed by it and you passed by it. Because I'm pretty sure that snake was moving when I went past it. You're lucky to be alive. I was a few minutes ahead of you. Yes, you are. But no, I did not step on it. So another interesting story from Florida. As we were on this particular run, there were people on a balcony and they yelled down to us, Hey, turn around and look. It's the space shuttle. And it took us a while to understand what they were talking about. But we thought this must be something big because 
you stopped your watch in the middle of a workout, and I stopped with you, and we turned around, and sure enough, we saw the SpaceX Dragon darting across the sky, and that was the first time I'd ever seen a rocket launch, even though it was you know, quite a distance away, but it was obvious that something was moving rapidly through the sky. Yeah, I'm sure it was being launched from Canaveral, and we were a little north of that in St. Augustine, but... I understood what they said. They said, look, the shuttle's going up, is what they said. But I think you thought they said the shadow's going up. So I think you were a little confused by me stopping. But I wanted to see, first of all, I thought the shuttles were never going up again, which it was not the shuttle. I guess people just call these things space shuttles now. Because they do carry passengers. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, we got to see that. So this particular space launch was going to the International Space Station, which leads into the next topic that I wanted to talk about. And that is a story about Jack Thompson. Did you tell me this was the first mission of all civilians going to the space station? I believe that's correct. I know that's what you told me, but I didn't know if that was like a Jacob fact or if it was actual fact. It says here that Commander and former NASA astronaut Michael Lopez Alegria, uh, and then three businessmen. So a former astronaut. government astronaut and three businessmen. So yeah, pretty cool. Oh, okay, back to your story. Yes, so Jack Thompson is considered an ultra-cyclist, and he has challenged himself with something called the One Million Space Odyssey. He is planning to climb on his bike a million vertical meters in the course of a year. This is further than flying to the International Space Station. And if you do the math on that, I believe that comes out to 621 miles straight up in the air, which obviously he's not riding his bike straight up in the air. But when we were interviewing Harry Roberts a couple weeks ago on Zwift, we talked about Eversting or V. Eversting. Jack Thompson is doing an Everest every week throughout the year, and that's going to be a world record in itself. It's interesting he's made this known because now somebody could just stealthily be getting like one more meter than he is. So for a million meters in a year... And he's apparently taking off one day a week. He's going to be doing over 3,000 meters of vertical climbing every day that he's riding. So that's just huge. Something I never want to take on. I don't know that I'll ever do an Everest attempt. Like in real life or on foot? On a bicycle. Or on foot. Definitely not on foot. <laughs> Definitely not on foot. And that leads into another news story that I thought was really interesting over the last couple of weeks also related to cycling. Netflix is developing a documentary on the upcoming Tour de France, and it's going to cover the backstory and the race footage of eight of the teams. They're going to be filming for about 12 weeks of coverage, and the idea is that it's going to be you know, unfiltered, the, the raw footage, what's really going on. So that should be really interesting. It's, it's kind of like a reality show for cycling. Well, do we want to now come up with an over-under bet on how many times there's a breakaway and the peloton catches the breakaway? 
I'm not even going to entertain that question. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. But that's going to be really an interesting documentary for those who are into cycling, but covering the what's going on in the hotel, what's going on in the buses, what's going on in the in the team cars, what's going on uh, over the radio with the athletes. That's going to be a, a pretty cool documentary. And one more story related to cycling. The Perry roubaix cycling race is, well, at the time that this podcast releases, it will have already occurred on this past Saturday. But it is just a crazy event. It's on the men's side, about 257 kilometers, but 55 of those kilometers are on cobblestones. And that's just hard to believe. This particular race has a nickname and it's called the Hell of the North. It's a terrible nickname. That's just an indication of how grueling this particular event is. And I watched the summary coverage of it from last year, and it was an extremely rainy day. And these poor athletes, they were slipping and sliding and falling and getting up. And by the time they finished, which it finishes on a velodrome at the end of the race, they were just covered in mud from head to toe. You couldn't hardly tell who they were, but it ought to be much better weather for the event this year. But one other thing related to Perry-Roubaix that I thought was really interesting is that the organizers and the, the UCI have indicated that they will allow Team DSM to use some newer technology, which allows them with the touch of two buttons to increase or decrease the air pressure in their tires. So that should be a game changer for them in this particular event because according to what I've read, this is going to allow that team to potentially save 30 watts of rolling resistance on those cobbles, not to mention it's going to be a much smoother and much safer ride. And why are they only allowing one team this advantage? I don't know. To have a control group and, and it, like it's an experiment? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. It The way the, they explained the rules were it, it had to be something that was commercially available and didn't provide any kind of mechanical advantage. But this contraption that goes on the bike is quite expensive. Speaking of mechanical advantages, I really wanted to rent e-bikes to ride on the beach while we were in St. Augustine because it was always very windy. So one direction on the beach, you had a huge tailwind in which you would not need an e-bike. But the other direction, it would certainly be helpful. Yeah. So yeah. maybe next time. Maybe next time. But back to the tire pressure regulator, I guess is what I'll call it. The ability to decrease your tire pressure when you're going over the cobbles and increase your tire pressure when you're on smooth road surfaces, that really should be a game changer. It'll be interesting to see how that team fares compared to the rest. So they're the only team that requested this modification? Only team mentioned in the article that talked about this technology. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think that's all the small talk I had. Let's jump into the main topic, unless you had something else. See, I'm not talking about taper, since I'm tapering. Let's talk about taper. Well, I mean, not taper in general. We've done a podcast on taper in general, but I was going to talk about my taper. 
to my surprise, during my final week of taper, I thought my workout was pretty big yesterday. And we had spent the night in Nashville because you had to work all day and I need to be at the Vanderbilt Eye Institute. So while you were working, it was storming in Nashville. So I took the workout to the treadmill and it was a pretty intense 7.75 miles. But I felt good and my legs feel good today. So I guess it was a good taper workout. Did you blow a fuse on the treadmill from running so fast? No, but evidently the way the treadmill works is after an hour, it forces you to cool down mode, which I was in my cool down at this point, but I guess my cool down was longer than the allotted time because after an hour, five minutes, the thing shut off, which was about the time you walked in. I was just standing there not finishing my workout. So I had to reset the treadmill, but no, I didn't blow a fuse. Although I was sweating, it was quite toasty Hmm. in that exercise room. Pretty nice exercise room for a hotel. And I had my back to the door, the door into the workout room. And so every time somebody came in or went out, the door slammed loudly. And I mean, almost tripped on the treadmill every time it startled, it Mm. would startle me. (laughs) But anyway, um, at the release of this podcast, I guess it's coming out the 18th. The day that you will be running Boston. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on Monday, say a prayer too, because I'm sure I will be somewhere between Hopkinton and Boston, depending on what time you're listening to it. The race starts at 9.15 Winsboro time for my wave, maybe. That sounds about right. Yeah. And the podcast typically comes out 11 o'clock yeah. Central Time. So I should be, you know, somewhere around Wellesley, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe so. So there are several things I wanted to talk about in today's podcast. So I wanted to start off with uh, Lucy Charles Barclay. If you remember, she was the Ironman 70.3 world champion in 2021 in St. George. And there's an amazing outcome for her. And she was on track to be a contender for the world championship full distance in May in St. George, but she has encountered a stress fracture of the femoral neck. Well, you don't want to mess with that. Correct. And so she's taken some time off. And as athletes that we are, and as I'm sure she's experiencing, it's life altering when you get injured and you cannot do the training that you are accustomed to, especially when you're at the peak of your fitness. There's another female athlete that has recently had to pull out of her race, and that's Sarah Hall. She is pulling out of the 2022 Boston Marathon. She had been struggling with a knee injury back in February, and she just does not... Her training is going fairly well, but she just does not feel like the heels of the Boston course are going to be a net positive in her overall goals. So she has pulled out of the pro field. Also not making it to the Ironman World Championship in St. George in May is three-time champion Jan Ferdino, who we just found out has a partial tear of his Achilles tendon. So another athlete who I wanted to talk about is Egon Bernal, who is a pro cyclist. He won the Tour de France in 2019. What country is he from? Colombia. Colombia. I believe it's Colombia. And he races with the 
Enios Grenadiers team, always one of the contenders at the Tour de France. But he, back in January, was training on his time trial bike, and time trialing is not his strength. He's a smaller guy, so he's more of a climber. But he crashed his bike into a bus at high speeds, a parked bus, I presume. And he was in the hospital for a while. He's had several broken bones, but he is recovering and he anticipates racing again, but he is just now getting back on the bike and it's he just feels truly blessed to be on the bike. But one of the things that I read about him was that when he first woke up from surgery, he was just you know, thrilled to be alive and to have his family around him and his friends. But about a week later, he was itching to get on a bike again, which he couldn't for quite some time. But both of these incidents, one that just happened due to you know, potentially overuse and one that was an accident, I want to talk a little bit about bone health and strength training. When you were talking about him being happy to be alive and surrounded by friends and family, my life was in no danger when I broke my femur and I had surgery in Indianapolis. But I was a good four hours from home and all of my siblings but one and their spouses came and my parents came and I had nieces and nephews that came and of course you were there and a four-hour drive to yeah. come see you, you yeah. and so, show you some love it was definitely heartwarming that everyone took time out of their busy lives to come and just show me love because honestly I was just there one day and they all came so anyway shout out to my amazing family amazing family I didn't mean to digress from your podcast. No, that's okay. So while researching this topic, I came across an article from the Mayo Clinic, and they affirm that strength training can increase your bone density. And we've done a little studying on bone density, the two of us. Bones are constantly changing. You've got osteoblasts, which build bone, and you have osteoclasts that get rid of bone. Out with the old, in with the new, constantly. Yes. And so you want a good balance of that building and breaking down and disposal. And there are medications that can help with bone density. And some of those medications increase the productivity of the osteoblast to help build bone. And some of those medications prohibit the osteoclasts from disposing of more bone both of which are an attempt to keep your bones at a higher density to prevent injuries. And for athletes, you have to be very careful about the prevention of the bone breakdown because what can happen is although your bone density will increase, it can become older bone and more brittle. So really consult with your doctor on what's going to be the best course forward for you as an athlete. Yeah, and as you become an older athlete, it's a good idea to have your bone density tested before you encounter a stress fracture or a full fracture. And a lot of health insurance programs will consider that preventative and cover it at no cost. So something to think about as you are aging. But strength training is another way that you can increase your bone health. 
and even beyond increasing your bone health, strength training does more than just build muscle. It is also going to strengthen the ligaments and the tendons, all of which work together to keep you active in whatever sport you choose. There was an article online published by Training Peaks, and the author was Josh Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N, and he makes reference to a study back in the early 1900s that became known as Wolf's Law. And just to paraphrase it, it basically says that our bones change as we apply sufficient stress to them. And so our bones are adapting based on the load that we put them under. And it may be that running or cycling and certainly swimming, they they do put some load on the bones, but not a sufficient amount of load to cause the adaptations that you would like to have for increased bone health. So you need to add some strength training to your routine to prevent injuries from your bones and from your tendons and from your ligaments. And two of the most common injuries that runners encounter are the Achilles tendonitis and the runner's knee, which is also more medically known as patellar tendinopathy. Yeah, I think those two and plantar fasciitis. That's a big one. Are the big ones. Yeah. So some of the exercises that we have prescribed to our athletes to help in this area are the eccentric heel drops. And you can Google these or YouTube these to figure out the proper technique. But it's a good exercise to put in your strength training repertoire. And then also the goblet squats. And back in podcast episode 59, we met with Kevin Booth and we talked about strength training for runners and triathletes. And these are two of the exercises that he recommended as well. Yeah, and I think another thing too is strength training is so important, but especially when you're triathlon training, when you have swimming and biking and running and strength training, trying to get it all fit in. I think that's where it's beneficial to have a coach to help you weigh what needs to take priority when. Because if you're doing a huge build to a full Ironman, you may be doing a little bit less strength training than after the Ironman and you go into a recovery cycle and you have more time to do that. So just having someone help you layer that into your periodization based on your goals and the races you have planned throughout the year. But it needs to be a priority and especially as you're getting older to take good care of muscles that want to go away in older age. And bones that want to go away in older age. Yeah. I'm reminded of something we talked about in last week's podcast. We talked about hill climbing at Boston and relaxing at the top of the hill rather than staying focused and reestablishing your pace. And the same can be said about fitting in strength training into your training routine. After your big event, you've made it to the starting line healthy, you've crossed the finish line healthy, are you going to relax or are you going to do some things to set the stage for your next successful endeavor? Yeah, and the answer to that should be a good mix of both. Like you definitely, after a marathon or a half or full triathlon, you definitely want to give your body 
a chance to fully rest and recover before you go into any other big training cycles. But what does that rest and recovery need to look like? It doesn't need to be sitting on the couch eating a can of Pringles for a couple weeks. But, you know, you definitely want to rest and recover and then start layering back in activities with a pretty good focus on strength training. Yes. You don't want to fall off the bandwagon and become inactive. You want to be doing active recovery. You want to make sure you are fully recovered, but incorporate some strength training during this time when you're giving your body a break from your primary sport. But when you're doing your strength training, you want to make sure you're using proper form. And that's where somebody like Kevin Booth that we interviewed really can make a difference because he's a strength training coach for those athletes that uh, really want somebody to work with them in the area of strength. And then another way you can consider doing your strength training is to do it in slow motion, really methodical, proper form. But if you're going to do that, back off on the weights and just really focus on the full range of motion for each exercise. And you're going to get sore, but sore is okay. Just like with anything, you want to do it in moderation. Give your body a chance to recover. So, Coach Paula, now that the Boston Marathon is over as of the time of this podcast release, are you going to incorporate some strength training into your recovery before your next big event? Yeah, I'm going to incorporate some strength training, and then I'm also going to start doing a class at the health park more regularly called Body Flow, which is a kind of a combination of a little bit of yoga and Pilates type thing, so a little bit of core strength and stretching. So I'm looking forward to adding both of those two more consistently. That's good. Strength training will set you up to have a healthy training cycle for your next event. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for you as well because you have been pretty diligent strength training a couple times a week and just hoping that really helps you when you start increasing your mileage to stay healthy. Yeah, so I wanted to talk just a little bit about some of the vitamins and foods that'll help with your bone strength. Calcium is the big source of nutrient for your bone health and you want to get that from natural foods as much as possible. Uh, Vitamin D is also important because it helps your body absorb the calcium. Potassium, magnesium, and vitamin C are other important vitamins and minerals and some of the best foods to help you get these ingredients are vegetables, sweet potatoes, fatty fish like salmon, almonds, tofu, yogurt, and one you may not think of is molasses. Yeah, I was just looking here at some top calcium foods because I know a lot of people immediately in their mind go to supplements when a lot of the stuff is just in foods, but seeds are really good source, like chia seeds especially, are a great source of calcium. Did you know that? I put chia seed and molasses in my oatmeal. You do. And then, of course, cheeses. We know that if you're not uh, opposed to eating dairy. And you mentioned yogurt as a good source. Sardines. Would you like some sardines? I'm going to pass on the sardines. And salmon. Beans and lentils. Almonds. 
I've got a pretty good soup recipe that is just loaded with beans, mm-hmm. but I'm the only one that eats it. Yeah, you are. And you eat a lot of almonds as well. I do. Whey protein is a good calcium source, as well as leafy greens. I know we've talked about kale before, but kale is an excellent calcium source. Rhubarb. Now, there's something that we don't eat a lot. I think of my brother-in-law, John, who used to make rhubarb pie. I don't know that I ever tasted it, though. I can 100% tell you that I never tasted it. So, anyway, those are some of the... There. There is a few others, but those are the main ones. I wanted to shift gears and talk about one other topic in this podcast. Okay. In the last podcast, we talked about using your arms to help you get up some of the... Heartbreak Hill. Hills at Boston. But we've got an athlete who I've been trying to encourage to improve his arm motion. And I just wanted to talk about proper running arm motion and, again, how the arms help you with your running goals. They are regulating your leg motion. The quicker that you pump your arms, the quicker that your legs are going to go. And you don't want to exaggerate your arm motion. We like to encourage a running cadence somewhere between 170 to 190, which a lot of research seems to indicate that 180 is ideal for a lot of people, but not everybody. But you can use your arms to help regulate your cadence. And you want your arms to be going forwards and backwards. You want to try to keep your elbows at a 90 degree angle or close to a 90 degree angle and that could vary depending on whether you're going uphill or downhill. The thought being is that your forearm is typically going to be parallel to the ground so in general around 90 degrees and you don't want your arms your hands to be crossing over your center line. You want your arms driving you forward not causing your torso to twist. And it's important to keep your hands relaxed. And I was reading, as I was researching this, there was a suggestion to hold something fragile in your hands and try not to break it, such as a potato chip. Could you hold a potato chip in your hand while you're running? Until my sweat dissolves it. That would be the problem with a (laughs) potato chip. Or until I just decide I want to eat it. I'm kidding. (laughs) What else could you hold in your hand that's fragile, that's not going to absorb sweat? I don't think an egg would work. An egg's too big. Well, I'm not sure. I've never tried this, but how easy is it to break an egg just in the palm of your hand? I'm not sure. We should try to find out and report back. (laughs) I'll let you you get right on that. All right. I think I'll pass on it. I don't want to waste an egg and I don't want to get messy. But hold something fragile in your hand and that will help you... Remember to keep your hands relaxed. And I remember back when I was in high school a few years ago, my coach back then had us work on our arms in the weight room, and we would take dumbbells, and we would, standing in place, do the running motion, pumping our arms with a 5 or 10-pound weight in each arm. And that gets tiring really quick, but that is a running specific weight option to help you. Did he have music that was 180 beats per minute going for you to get your arm rhythm? There wasn't any music in the weight room at the time, Mm. but that's a good idea. And that's something that 
we have suggested to a few of our athletes in the past to help with their cadence is listen to some music that has a beat of 180, which there are playlists or YouTube videos that provide that option for you if you can carry music with you. But don't think that running is only about your legs. It's about the entire body, just like swimming is. It's about the entire body. And experiment the next time you're out running with your arms and see if you can adhere to these guidelines and see if you notice a difference in your effort and in your speed. So I'd like to conclude with a scripture. A friend of mine recommended this scripture to me a couple weeks ago, and I decided I would like to share it with our audience. It is Psalm 94, verses 17 through 19, and the word of the Lord says, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say, my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.